0: It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns just to dust. dust. Like eye contact with strangers from the crowd of criminals. It's a dream that began to be real. awful. The passing note of the song. The glimmer of the
1: ship being seen.
0: You hear the sighs of the river. Okay. Let me you know. Am I here? Really? <laughs> Am I here? Ah, <laughs> uh, welcome to
1: Cheers the shores.
0: To the shores. <laughs>
1: okay here we are there's a chance we we're sitting out there talking about like topics to talk about and um, something that kind of came to my mind was something that for us i feel like it's uh, been kind of important for us and like what the shores are is about it's sort of like that idea of kind of it's like whenever you you kind of you go to a new city and you're like you see everything brand new, but really that's a dumpster over there. You know, that's a street <laughs> there's sewage. There's every city has this, every every city has this, but there's something about being in a new place that kind of like you're hypersensitive to the ordinary and mm-hmm. the ordinary mm-hmm. becomes extraordinary. And, uh, so anyways, I was just thinking about that with, you know, the shores is kind of that place is like where sometimes the ordinary becomes extraordinary and, or, or kind of like, Sticks out just a little bit, like you know you know I were talking about, what is a man? what is a woman? you know it's like, well, why are we even asking that question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that we kind of took for granted, but it seems to be in the public conscious right now, a whole lot, you know, um or even when we we're talking about ten times one versus one times ten, you know ten people you give one dollar to or or one dollar or one person ten dollars, you know mm-hmm. it's like it's really there's there's something about whenever you kind of step back and look at it's like oh no 10 times 1 equals 10 times 1 it's like well it depends how you define your values or Mm -hmm. you know anyway so that was just a a random thought i had (laughs) as we were talking about some of the so the ordinary
0: becomes extraordinary Mm -hmm. on the shores Mm -hmm. that's your that's your claim (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well i i think maybe that is a good um a good explanation of the reasons that you would come to the shores,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we're referencing the, the 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 quote that our podcast is named after, which is, "As the island of my knowledge expands, so too do to the shores of my ignorance." And you would come to a place of your ignorance in order to learn new things. And <clears throat> you know, it's interesting to think about the word "ordinary." What's ordinary? What's ordinary are things that you don't have to look very closely at because they're not threatening you and or they're serving you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> as soon as it becomes out of the ordinary, then you really got to deal with it. And you actually have to look at it mm-hmm. and you look at it. It's like when you're traveling to you use your dumpster analogy, <laughs> you're traveling and you're like, that's a dumpster. Oh, but it's different, you know? <laughs> I never really thought about how a dumpster was put together, but I can tell this one's not like the ones I'm used to seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden the whole complexity of what makes a dumpster a dumpster (laughs) reveals itself to you and you start noticing it. And, um, that's a, that's a reason to come to the shores, to take things that we take for granted and learn what they are. You know, all of our representations of the world are always falling short in ways that we, take for granted so long as they don't threaten us Mm -hmm. which means there's so much to be learned and discovered
1: constantly yeah it's like they're useful to us and as long as they as long as they stay useful they become ordinary yeah and then once become when it's when it's no longer useful then they become extraordinary yeah i mean it's the same thing when you go to a different country and things are in a different language it's like Oh my gosh, what is this thing? You know, like you have, to, you have to actually spend time with it, but it's really the same thing. It's a hamburger or whatever it is, but it's in a different language, but you have to like <laughs> encounter it in a different way. in almost like a, a, a fresh way or
0: something. I was reminded of the quote, a rose is a rose even by any other name. Mm-hmm. There's something true about that, right? It's like the equivalency of, of objectivity,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but there's also something really, really important about a name. Yeah. You name something, you know it in a certain way. You don't really have to deal with it directly anymore. It's abstracted into the name. I know that I'm trying to think of a better analogy than a hamburger, but (laughs) you make a good point. It's like you look at a menu, you don't recognize the word. Mm -hmm. You're like, what is that? Somebody says, well, in America you call it a hamburger and I go, okay, I'll take that. But then you get it and you're looking at it. You're like, is this a hamburger? (laughs) Yeah. Is it different? Mm-hmm. What is even a hamburger?
1: Yeah. What, what, what's the category of hamburger? Or oh, is it is it antipasta that's uh, appetizers? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is an antipasta. It's not an appetizer. <laughs> <laughs> there is
0: no such thing as not pasta. There is only antipasta. <laughs> <laughs> totally.
1: Do the pasta or not pasta. There's, no, there's nothing in between. <laughs> that was my Italian accent. <laughs> hmm. Well, that's such a valuable thing about traveling. I think it, it does it it does help you kind of like step out of your ordinary. And yeah. I think that's why it's so relaxing. You know, something that's always stuck out to me is like, why is a croissant in France so much more better? You know, it's like probably there's a bit of it that's because it's just maybe made better, but also it's like you're on vacation. You're, you're in France. France. You know, it's like all the things. Yeah, you like, can
0: make an equally good mm-hmm. croissant in America. Mm-hmm. you probably argue. argued. I know, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well, that's something I've been thinking a lot about lately is like the idea of categorization itself Mm -hmm. is a really difficult task. Yeah. Like it's easy when things seem obvious, but you can be lulled into a false sense of security thinking that, well, it's obvious what fits into this category because I see things that obviously fit into that category. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you know where the edges of the category are. Because the edges of categories are always blurry. Mm. Um, And that doesn't mean that there aren't, uh, that things don't obviously fit into categories. It just means sometimes you're confronted with the edge of a category. And I I think we're in the last several years, at least in in our culture, sort of obsessed with this idea that science can tell us what things are Mm -hmm. like with certainty and I don't think that that's true yeah. because all of our definitions are insufficient mm-hmm. to some level, to some degree. So we're constantly contending with, well, what do we know? What do we understand? What makes a thing, the thing we think it is as opposed, as opposed to potentially not that thing or that thing, but in a more nuanced way than we than our
1: previous definition of the category allowed for. I feel like I'm being way too abstract You're, to being, sense. you're being really abstract, but I think there's there's something that you're kind of like you, you've kind of made me think about is that, you know, so you have a new discovery. And that new discovery opens up newer things. And therefore um but then there's also kind of like a lot of fat that gets attached to it. And at some point that that term no longer defines the thing because it it's too broad of a term. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you see this like in cultures and then how we represent the thing itself, you know, um, you know, I'm thinking back in the sixties, uh, kind of the women's kind of the first feminism, uh, first wave feminism, um, in that sort of what it meant to be a woman was to, um, kind of maybe like on the other side of that kind of maybe more too narrowly defined of, and so that category need to be kind of broken a little bit, you know, as far as like, you must wear, you like women wear dresses or something like that, or mm-hmm. women are emotional or women are can't handle certain things or something like that, you know, where it became too, I would think you, was a, a category could either get, too narrowly defined or too broadly defined. And I think that's the part where you kind of have it where there's sort of a breaking down of the category to redefine it right. and to kind of revisit what that category actually means, you know? Mm. And I think that's one thing with first wave feminism and maybe even second wave feminism is this whole idea of like, what does it mean to be a woman? You know, uh, is it the clothes you wear? You know, is it because you like dolls? Is it because you like pretty things, you know? And with first and second wave feminism, you kind of saw sort of like the answer to that question was, no, that's not what makes you a woman is if you like to wear dresses or like f- more adherence to stereotypes, adherence to stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that was kind of fought and, cl- and kind of clearly won and sort of liberating for women to be able to, you know, function in the world, in this culture in particular, in a more broader sense. Mm-hmm. Um, And then you could almost then say that today that category of woman has almost gotten too broad that now it's sort of like you see, you know... Anything's a woman. Anything's a woman. All you have to do is identify that and define the terms by what you mean a woman is. So we've kind of gone the complete opposite direction Mm -hmm. of that. And the same idea of like, that's why there's a reason why we created women's sports. Why did we create them? Was because there was something biologically different between men and women and to have where women could enjoy competing you, we created a category for them to compete in, you know, as men have a category to compete in also. Um, so I think that's, I think it's just, it's interesting how we kind of ebb and flow between the narrow categorization versus too broad of a categorization.
0: Well, I think that's the, <clears throat> that's the, the, what, maybe what I'm thinking about when I say that the edges of categories are blurry, mm-hmm. you don't know exactly where they are. Mm-hmm. So you're always, <clears throat> you're always wrong in some way. You know, <laughs> It's wrong, and then you try to redefine it, and that's wrong. So you redefine it again, and that's wrong. And also maybe it has something to do with the fact that um, there are objective categories. But then there's the question of what do those categories mean? And when you start asking that question, you have to start asking questions about, well, they have to mean something, meaning they have to be functional to you. Mm -hmm. They have to enact some benefit in the world to have the category. Mm. And so what does it mean to be good for a category to be good? Like women's, like the WNBA. Mm -hmm. Is that a good category? And you know rewind to the inception of it and i think we say yeah it is like women want to play basketball people want to watch women play basketball let's have women's basketball Mm -hmm. because people aren't interested in watching a men's team play a women's team it's just so unfair Mm -hmm. that it doesn't you know it it cuts against our sense of uh honorable competition
1: well it's also i mean just to kind of define that a little bit more it's like like uh, the top men versus the top women. It's it, that's what we're talking. That's, I think that's the way that you have to, uh, mm. well, when you're talking about professional sports, Yeah, yeah. Professional you're talking sports.
0: about the the best, well, within the category, within the category of, and of yeah, women. And yeah. And you can subdivide either of those categories even further, which we do, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you have the NBA, but you also have college sports and you have intramurals mm-hmm. and you've got, you know, all-star teams and all of these are different selections. hmm
1: Amateur versus pro to even that
0: different selections in order to try to make the competition as competitive as possible, Mm -hmm. because when you have two groups that are wildly disproportionate in skill or ability, that's no longer fair competition. Mm -hmm. Like in order for a competition to be fair and enjoyable to be enjoyable, it has to be fair. Mm -hmm. And to be
1: fair there has to be rules on the categories. Well, I think to prove this point, uh, we'll put this in the show notes. Remind me to put this, uh, send you this link. Um, I saw this article about it compared high school, like top high school athlete, men versus Olympic women. And mm. just, uh, it, it was a very interesting kind of display of like kind of what that is. Cause I think sometimes when we when we talk about this, a lot of people want to say like, well, there are some women that are stronger than some men. It's like, Yeah, but you have to, yeah, it's true. And it's like, but you have to, when you're looking at this, you got to look at the, the website is boys versus women.com. Okay.
0: And it takes, uh, so it looks at the year 2016 track field and swimming and takes male high school athletes versus female Olympians Mm -hmm. and takes their individual times and basically makes theoretical teams against the two in in almost every category, the, the male high school students take gold, silver, and bronze mm-hmm. in the
1: competitions. Yeah. It's just, it's just something to, to note because it's like, you know, there's, there's a reason why we, why we separate those categories because there's a physical, physical difference between the two. It's like, like I have four girls and it's like, you know, when I think of them growing up in the world and, you know, competing in sports and whatnot. It's like, I want them to enjoy that they're themselves and like, you know, uh, and like how they interact in those areas. And obviously there's other spaces like where, you know, uh, women outperform men in certain, in certain places and men outperform women in certain places. And, um, it's just, it's just important that we have, we just acknowledge that those differences, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. But I think that that website was really, I think it's just, it just kind of gives you a real tangible. Well, it's an uncomfortable website. Yeah. When you look at it,
0: mm-hmm. like it seems really unfair on mm-hmm. the surface that you would, <laughs> the data would say that high school male athletes can beat female Olympians mm-hmm. across the board, at least in these categories, which is track, field and swimming. But yeah. it's very uncomfortable. Like, I don't want that to be true. Yeah. But it is. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? I mean, I don't necessarily enjoy. Well, I enjoy watching female Olympians compete more than I watch enjoy watching male high schoolers compete. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. You're telling me that the males can beat the females mm-hmm. across that great age divide and, and skill divide, um, or or presumed skill divide. But still, I would prefer to watch the women Olympians. Mm. Which means that that category of female sports is meaningful. Yeah. Because if we didn't have that, then you couldn't watch female Olympians. Because there wouldn't be any. Mm.
1: They'd be edged out by all the males. Mm-hmm. And the category in itself has so much value because you're like, oh my gosh. Like, wow, this is like the top women in the world. Mm-hmm. And it like... That's a huge feat to be the top of that
0: category. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost no different than saying, <clears throat> well, the category of swimming itself. It's like, these are the, forget male, female. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm watching the top swimmers in the world. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and you could complain and say, you know, <laughs> well, um, basketball players aren't included in that. And that's unfair. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, we're watching swimming. what's in what's interesting to me it's the top swimmers in the world Mm -hmm. and then it's just as interesting to start adding other um differences to that group it's a reason we have um the paralympics for example Mm -hmm. it's like that's interesting yeah i want to watch
1: it Mm -hmm. you know especially like guys running men and women running on those those uh they're like almost like like springs Mm -hmm. have you seen that yeah it's like fucking amazing yeah it's like like uh, yeah that's just the bionic almost (laughs) well yeah and the the
0: the determinism and and drive and discipline Mm -hmm. and ingenuity yeah to do something that you thought couldn't be done because you didn't have legs Mm -hmm. you know to, to like compete in track and field and you're doing it it's like fuck yeah i want to watch that
1: well it's almost a point uh someone was making this point as a comic i I forgot who it was now like he was basically saying he's like when i was growing up and someone had a uh a um artificial leg it's like you notice because they're like and he started walking around all funny because you know back in the 80s and 70s it was like the artificial legs were just not that great you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he's like but now it's like they won't even let the People with artificial legs compete against regular athletes because they're better. Because they're better. Because they're (laughs) like they have goddamn springs. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, you're gonna almost see that too. It's like I mean, it's it's you know, what if we reach a point? You know, even with let's just talk about you know drugs and stuff like that. Like, uh, you Mm, know, what what if? You know they they try to keep drugging out of like you know bicycling and stuff like that, is in order to keep the category somewhat pure across the board. Well,
0: again, because unfair competition isn't enjoyable to watch, Mm -hmm. and so it's like you want you want to know people don't have specific enhancements. Mm -hmm. But you could say, I mean, you could try this. You could be like, okay, let's have a version of the Tour de France. Where drugs are allowed. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Would that be interesting? (laughs) Would people watch it? And if people watch it, would they feel okay with it? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe right at first, but then if, you know, there's pretty negative side effects to those drugs. Mm -hmm. If people started, you know, (laughs) dying or there was problems or issues, it might sour the sport and then you don't want to watch it. And it's like, oh, I don't like participating
1: in this. Well, you see that in football. I think I'd rather watch people Mm -hmm. unaltered. Yeah. Well, you kind of saw this in football in, in, in one respect, as far as like how they're hitting and and the, you know, with their with their you can't lead with your head and stuff like that because it was really massively affecting the players. But honestly, right. it's like when you see someone lay into somebody like that, you're like, whoa, oh my god! You know, it's like, but it had a bad in, in, impact on. And as that kind of came out more and more, is like they started to kind of like curtail that aspect of, you know, football is like to kind of make it more safe but it seems like you definitely have to do that where as long as everyone is playing by the same rules there's something that really um is amazing like even if you want like okay oh this is the best bicyclist cyclist (laughs) uh that is that don't don't use drugs or anything Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh that is a feat of physical right biological, genetic, whatever. Right. And then the, on the other side is like, here's the, here's a category where you, you allow everything. Yeah. And maybe they're beating th- you know, times by hours or something like that. And mm-hmm. you're like, that's freaking crazy, you know? But again, it's like, those are two different type of championships. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe put it this way. Mm-hmm. Like the best,
0: the best track race to watch mm-hmm. is the one with the photo finish. Oh Yeah. Meaning you have two people and it's almost hard to tell who was better.
1: Or even like Usain Bolt, when he just blew everybody out, you're like, oh my God, what well, the hell just happened? that's interesting
0: as an anomaly. Yeah. But if it's every time, totally. it stops being interesting. Very true. Yeah. You know, and it starts being like, well, okay, yeah, we know he's going to win. So mm-hmm. what's more important to us is the who's going to be second. Yeah. You know, because that's where the real
1: competition is. True. Yeah yeah it's like uh, that's fascinating like the first time is like the anomaly of it you're just like whoa what the hell just happened right i mean it was kind of like that with tiger woods
0: i think Mm. you know tiger won for a period he won so much that it was Mm -hmm. just kind of like okay yeah you know i'm gonna watch him because it's amazing to see somebody that talented but really if i'm thinking about the competition itself Mm -hmm. i'm really wondering who who's going to contend with him Mm -hmm. so i'm more focused on the second place person interesting
1: yeah, you see with Michael Phelps too, and swimming. Yeah, right. But that's also that's all. It that kind of gets into another topic too, like you know when you're talking about, Michael Jordan or Michael Phelps. It's like leaving when you're on top, and not like right. the descent into. But I think that's that's a kind Cause of because everybody you know. does descend. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, everybody stops winning at some point. Yeah. AKA our bodies deteriorate and you do die, you know, (laughs) Uh younger, more spry generation
1: comes up. But isn't that interesting though? I mean, it's like we do, we act in the world with categories and we try to make them, we, we define them in a way that tries to be fair and, 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 and equal, you know, and then once those, once those categories are sort of you know, again, I think that the swimmer, the, the trans swimmer that, uh, early, you know, it's like, he just blew away the women and it was just sort of like, okay, you know, it's like, you know, you can kind of talk about it's like, Oh, this is a big moment for, for trans athletes or something like that. But then also like you have women that are like, I've trained all my life for this. And so you've, you've, and then re- I didn't have a chance. Yeah. You redefine the category on me. And I wasn't, I w- almost wasn't aware that the category just got redefined. Right, and so you you kind of almost taken something that taken something from that previous category. Right now, if you want to recategorize it and say like, you know, that's a whole another thing, and that's something to contend with. But it was almost done without any, uh, almost any prior notice. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like okay, hey guys, we're going to redefine this category, and this is how this is going to work, and you can and you can participate in it or not, you know. And it just sort of, it seemed like it just sort of showed up out of nowhere in the last two or three years where the this category of women's sports has changed to include, you know, trans, uh, trans women, you know, trans women or trans men, trans women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's a category that we're going to have to contend with. And I think is being contended with right now because there is a significant biological difference. Mm.
0: Well, it brings up, I mean, even when you say trans women, mm-hmm. it brings up the question of where do you draw categorical lines, mm. you know, women's sports, that's pretty broad. Yeah. You know? And so I guess you can make the case. Well, like, cause you have to say trans women, mm-hmm. you have to put a modifier cause they're not the same. Yeah. And you could say, well, they're the same enough. And I can say, okay, so is that like short women and tall women? Mm. Do we draw those categor- line, Interesting. categorical lines? Categorical lines. You know, again, the edges of categories are blurry and we sort of take for granted what's in and what's out. And so do we need to tighten up that categorical line for the sake of, let's say, women swimming? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, should we, should it be women swimming or should we have short women swimming and tall women swimming? You know, or Mm -hmm. like heavyweight women swimming and featherweight uh, women swimming? Yeah. You know, are those useful categories? And this comes back to the point about like, there are objectively categories, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a rock is not a tree, mm-hmm. right? But most of the categories I think we contend with, you have to contend with them in a way that's meaningful. I think most people would say, well, it's not really meaningful to have, um, you know, short women swimming and tall women swimming. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and what does that mean to say it's not meaningful? Yeah. I think it means, well, I don't think that there's a... Because you have to match the category with the market for the category, in a Mm -hmm. sense. Meaning, it has to be interesting to someone. You know? Mm -hmm. Women's sports is sort of clearly interesting to someone. Subdividing it into you know, my example of short and tall Mm -hmm. isn't exactly interesting. I don't think that you would really find a a match for people who want to see things broken up that way. Would it make it more fair? Maybe. I mean, there's tons of ways we could make it more fair, Yeah. you know, or allow more people to compete or something like that. Right. But the thing is the more fair you make it, the less competitive it becomes. Interesting. So, you know, you could, you could, because every human individual is different. Mm -hmm. And so you could make so many versions of women's sports or men's sports or whatever, so many subcategories to where you have just only two people in each one and they're almost exactly the same, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's photo finish every time and it becomes almost arbitrary who wins and, you know, well, we're not interested.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like the categories have to be broad enough to be interesting because like yeah. But I think of like any ways you're talking about that is I think about boxing or, or mm-hmm. MMA or something like that. It's like the, you do have that, those physical differences of weight classes that do, that do add something interesting to the fact that like, you know, featherweight, there's a lot more speed involved, you know? Right. Um, a lot more, uh, agility, you know, when you get into your, 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 uh, shit. Now I'm going to show my ignorance in this area whatever the, the biggest class is was that the do you know what the big class is heavyweight heavyweight <laughs> the big class heavyweight <laughs> big weight big weight big and tall <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it's not about speed it's about you know it's it's about power and and you know it, but if someone in that category is fast you're like what the hell just happened like here's somebody who is in the heavyweight division but their speed is so much but it's also but it couldn't be compared <clears throat> to a lightweight where that their speed is actually that much, you know, uh, faster or something like right, that, right. but less in, less impactful. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think that's so that, so in some of those, some of those categories and subdivide, mm-hmm. it becomes interesting, but in other ways it doesn't right, become exactly. Interesting. I think in boxing it's
0: interesting because if you didn't have the categories of heavyweight and featherweight, is it featherweight? Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's the, the, the smallest. Is it clear sport?
0: to everyone that Michael and I don't watch any sports <laughs> and we're just talking out of our asses? <clears throat> we're not talking about sports, y'all. We're talking about categories. Categories. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. But, like, if you didn't have those <clears throat> subcategories mm-hmm. and it was just boxing, you know, and then it's just the biggest, heaviest guys knock out everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this isn't fair. Because there's something about the smaller guys who are super fast and elegant, but they just get creamed mm-hmm. all the time. And I'm bummed because the fight's over immediately, but I wanted to watch him do his thing. Yeah. So it's like, well, why don't we pair him with someone more like him and then we can watch them for longer? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's more interesting. Yeah. Then we say, you know, it's not exactly fair to have the one forty five pound guy fighting the two ten pound guy. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not a game we like to watch, mm-hmm. but we like, you know, so you come up with this, these two subcategories and now everybody's more interested, more people are getting to participate mm-hmm. and that seems like a good thing. And then every once in a while, a featherweight challenges a heavyweight and we're like, oh,
1: let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you get to like the cream of the cream of the crop, you're yeah. like, what, what does that look like? Hmm. Yeah. But in order to get there, you have to have those categories. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if I've
0: told this story before on this podcast, but I'm also trying to get better in something I'm trying to learn in life right now is not to caveat retelling stories. Okay. Uh Because I think if you do that or you're worried about retelling stories, you come to a place where you forget that you know things that other people don't know. And Mm. that's true of everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. And we should know what you know that we don't know. So share with us what you know. And I'm going to, so I'm going to share, even if it's repetitious.
1: Okay. I was like, well, then you should share something you've already shared. Yeah, because totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, keep sharing. Tell the same stories over and over. Well, that's also the thing with like like you and I, you know, or, or Alice and I, it's it's like she sometimes has to listen to the same story over and over again Right. whenever we meet new people. Yeah, totally. And I have to do the same thing too. It's right. like, no, it's like, it's still important. Even yeah. though like... I've been around you for 20 years and you, you know, 10 or 11 or whatever years. Right. It's like, cause it can be the eye roll too. It's like, Oh, I've heard this story before. Like, no, right. this, this is a different situation and it's important to share the story. Anyways, go ahead. Okay. <laughs>
0: so when I was in uh, college, I think it was like summer, my, I think I was 20 years old mm-hmm. and I, one summer moved to Minneapolis kind of on a whim and I ended up working uh, at a I had two jobs. I worked at night as a newspaper delivery boy.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, a That's is. a whole story. in <laughs> of a itself. Story. Yeah,
0: Um And then in the day I worked at a, a studio, music studio, and through the music studio ended up starting to make music videos for a lot of the artists that came, came through, and that was going pretty well, and so I ended up going to a film conference in L.A. So here's where hmm. the, the story really starts. I was in L.A., I went to this film conference, and I heard this, this director give a talk, and he said, oh, he's talking about script writing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a director. I think he was a script writer. He's talking about script writing. And he said, number one rule of script writing. First thing you have to do is choose your genre. Mm. Is it a rom-com? Is it an action? Is it a horror? You have to choose your genre. Then you have to understand the rules of the genre. Because mm. all rules have, I'm oh, sorry, all genres have rules. They're not very well articulated. It's not like you can look up the rules, but you yeah. know, you've got to watch enough films in that genre to understand the rules of it. <clears throat> and then you have to write by those rules.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. if you don't write by those rules, no one will understand the movie you're, you're making, the story yeah. you're telling. You know, If it's not obeying a certain set of rules, or I might say adhering to a certain archetype, No one will understand it. They Mm -hmm. won't accept it. They'll be bored. They'll be confused. They'll turn away. They won't watch it. But the thing is, once you've written by the rules, then you have to circumvent the rules. Because if you just write by the rules, they'll watch, but they'll still be bored. Mm -hmm. Because they know the rules. They've seen the movie. Mm -hmm. It's like, you didn't show me anything new. Yeah. So you have to write by the rules and then you have to circumvent the rules and surprise the audience. Mm. And I think the tie to what we're talking about here is you have to have categories in order that we can understand anything or be interested in anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then you have to play with the categories
1: mm.
0: because the category li- categorical lines are drawn somewhat arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. And so if you just adhere to them, it becomes well, arbitrarily sort of tyrannical.
1: Mm.
0: So you got to play with the, the lines a bit. It's like, yeah, we've got heavyweight and featherweight. What once in a while, let's have the two fight each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe to remember why we have the category in the first place, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. maybe to surprise and delight us before we realize why we had the category in the first place. Mm-hmm. Categories aren't perfect, but you have to have them. And then once you have them, you have to play with them a bit. Mm-hmm. it's it's the shores analogy. It's like, what's out there beyond the known.
1: Mm.
0: We, we want it. Mm -hmm. I think we, you know, we need it.
1: Yeah. I like that. What's I mean, there there's, you've heard this, like, you know, I hear about the, the screenwriting, but also in writing books, it's like, or poetry or whatever. It's like, you have to know the rules before you can break the rules. and, and, you know, you definitely hear this early, I guess my early twenties is sort of is this sort of I'm I don't need these rules. I can just like I, I'm just <clears> gonna <throat> be free and do my I'm just sp- gonna be me just and that's be gonna me. be fine. Yeah. And it's like you know, I think there are some times where there's there is that groundbreaking person that that, that does that. But I think it's so rare. It's like most people have like, to learn that does rules. that and
0: it goes okay you mean mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah, right it's, that's a rare thing
1: it's just super super rare right um but most people have to learn what to do in order to break the rules and do it intentionally oh,
0: that's such a great observation because simply breaking <coughs> the rules isn't interesting mm-hmm. breaking the rules elegantly and creatively
1: mm-hmm is super interesting well for me like jack kerouac when i was growing up or when i was like in college uh you know it's this free flow writing and stuff like that and you know uh oh there's another guy hunter uh, i forget hunter the s thompson hunter s thompson you know, it's like just this free free of free thought writing what was it called free flow writing i don't know anyways a stream of consciousness ah. and and there was something like really awesome about it you know and so i was you know so so part of me was like wanting to just like just write my thoughts, and then people are going to be amazed. Right? It's like, it doesn't work that way for everybody. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there are these times and places where that 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 does speak and, and comes out. But it's <laughs> it's such a rare occasion. I mean, it reminds me of that. I met so many Jack Kerouacs in my life mm. that were, did not become Jack Kerouac. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and if you want to be Jack
0: Kerouac, yeah well, you have to be Jack Kerouac. You uh-huh. have to live his life too. Yeah. And, you know, go look at his life. Do you really want that, <laughs> you really life? that <laughs> life? You know, even yeah. if you end up being a famous writer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is that like, would you choose that? You know, and probably not because most, most famous artists are like also famously disturbed mm-hmm. and famously, you know, famously plagued by their own demons. Mm-hmm is that great TED talk by Elizabeth Gilbert um, your conscious creative genius i think mm-hmm. is what it's called and she talks about how like the, the the stereotype of of famous artists is like they start drinking gin at 10 a.m. and you know they live very short troubled lives and end up dying at their own hands very often and mm-hmm. you know it's like are we okay with that yeah yeah and that's a, a, that's a really deep question without much of an answer. Mm-hmm. Are we okay with that? And is a trade-off between great art and short lives a worthwhile trade-off? Yeah. You know, if you remove all the great art from the world in order that those lives lasted longer in um,
1: anonymity, mm-hmm. is that a better world? Yeah, it's hard because, I mean, something that we've talked about it quite a bit is like, you know, how much suffering actually attributes to greatness, you know, whether it be mm-hmm. entrepreneurship artists, um, those who have a higher threshold or are more willing to explore into the unknown. And, you know, sometimes that, that leads into going crazy or it leads into, you know, drug abuse or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. <clears throat> to deal with that. Um, or even in sports, like it, it leads to, you know, steroids or, you know, how can I get the enhancement in order to push it to the next level? Yeah. Like I'm willing to take, make the sacrifice, whatever it takes in order to push it to the next level. Like there's something a little disturbing yeah. in that too. Well, you and I often talk about the, the, the,
0: sort of stereotypical rich and powerful CEO figure Mm -hmm. and how, you know, there's something appealing about that when you only look at one part of it. And this is true of CEOs. I think it's also true of famous musicians, famous athletes. Mm -hmm. It's like they have notoriety, they have fame, they have money, they have uh, clout, Mm -hmm. credibility, sway, all things that I think most people want. Yeah. But then you and I have both observed that most of the, at least men in that category,
1: mm-hmm.
0: can't keep a relationship. Yeah. They can't keep a family.
1: Well, I'd say that's and, true of women mm, also,
0: too. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> I think I just observe yeah, definitely. the male because I, I relate to it. But mm-hmm. it's not a trade-off I'm willing to take. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't give up my kids or my ability to have a a lasting romantic relationship mm. for money and fame. Yeah. I think most people who find themselves with money and fame and can't keep those things are really troubled about it. Yeah. And maybe they'd trade it if they could, mm. but once you have one or the other it's hard to trade to the other. Yeah. Um No, I think that's you know, but you, if you think about it, there's, it, it, it almost can't not be that way. hmm That's a double negative for you. But, <clears throat> you know, if you take, let's take famous musicians, for example. You have one who's single. And, and just for sake of clarification or maybe simplicity in the argument, let's just take two men. Mm-hmm. One is single, the other is married and has five kids. Mm-hmm. They're both equally talented at songwriting, performing, playing guitar. Um, As if you could say how anybody could be equal at those things, but have the same potential Mm -hmm. and compete them against each other. Who's going to become the more successful musician? Mm. Like the single guy is going to outperform the other guy every single time. Yeah. He just simply has, more time to devote to that task, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, what, what was that? Uh, I know you saw this. There's a really great clip. I think of Kobe Bryant talking about how he would get up at three, yeah. three or three, four 30 in, 30 in, in the, the morning, morning and like, you know, go to the gym, then go start training, then go back to the gym. And then the other players start coming into the gym. And he's like, I've been here for three hours already. <laughs> totally. You know, like you're never gonna beat me, yeah. Because I work harder than you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> right. I love that too. I mean, it's inspiring,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but can't do that. Yeah, you know, if you've got young children, mm-hmm. so there are always trade offs, and because there are always trade offs, there are certain games that you can't win without sacrificing other things. So you can't win the family game without sacrificing your basketball game. Mm -hmm. You can't win the basketball game without sacrificing your family game. So you have to be, and maybe this is a really great case for freedom, like Mm -hmm. freedom in the face of inequality. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you want equality or do you want freedom? Yeah. Should I be free to decide, well, do I want to be a great basketball player or do I want to be a great father and husband? And maybe you can be both. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like, this is the trade-off thing. It's like, how do you make that trade-off? And everybody has to make it for themselves. Mm -hmm. They have to be free to make it for for themselves. And the outcome of that, at a certain level, is going to be perceived inequality. Yeah, totally. But what you don't see in in that outside view is all of the sacrifices made on both sides Mm -hmm. that resulted in that inequality. And the sacrifices, oh, this is... I'm seeing something so clearly right now. It's like the sacrifices have to be individual. Mm -hmm. The inequality results from the individual choice about what to sacrifice. Yeah. The opposite or the, the, the way that you achieve equality is to decide for everyone else what they have to sacrifice. Interesting. And that's why tyranny is so, unacceptable and results in so much death. I think mm-hmm. is that someone in order to achieve equality, you have to tell everybody what they're going to sacrifice. Here's what you're going to give up. Here's what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is, which is interesting. So maybe another side to this. Tell me what this kind of adds. Um, I'm so much more productive now than I, when I was, when I was single because like, I have a certain amount of time to do certain things. And so I'm more hyper-focused in the times and the things that I spend my time on because I have so many other responsibilities. So like where, you know, being single, it's like, you could probably, you know, get drunk for two days and then spend a 72 hour session or something like that, you know, doing something, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it be music or writing or whatever it might be. But, now it's more of like, I see that I have windows of time that I can spend on certain things because I have other responsibilities. So it's like, so I'm definitely a lot more productive because again, it's like if you measure it by one thing alone, it can see, it could be seen as if, you know, uh, well, I'm not as famous as my single friend at, uh, in music or whatever. But when you take a whole the, the totality of it, like you know having children and raising them and stuff like that, it's like the totality of life. The totality which is of is unquantifiable, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like you're a lot and more and incomparable. It's incomparable, yeah. It's like but you're you definitely have a lot more, like what you are actually accomplishing in the world is a lot more, uh, just because you have a scarcity of time to do the thing that you are wanting to do and you have, uh, you have to choose more wisely how you spend your time. Was it like scarcity enables measurement?
0: That's what I mean. Well, you say you're more productive Mm -hmm. now that you have more responsibility Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because your time is scarce. So you know how to measure it.
1: Yeah. Oh, true.
0: When you're, when you have less responsibility and your time isn't scarce mm-hmm. and you can, you know, like go on a bender for a four day weekend and it doesn't matter to your main pursuit. Mm-hmm. It's much harder to measure things to measure success. Even
1: what's well, fair. It's, it seems so much more one dimensional. Yeah. It's like, you know, just take music for example, or business. It's like, well, then you measure it by your business, but you're not also taking into account, <laughs> the relational aspects. Right, so maybe
0: your business is, you know, you're making $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. Your business is thriving. Yeah. But you personally are dying and mm-hmm. suffering because you're horribly alone mm-hmm. and depressed. Yeah. And you feel like your life has no personal meaning outside of your business, and you can't figure out how to make that number of $10 million every year give your life worth and mm-hmm. meaning it doesn't matter what you spend it on. Yeah.
1: You're still alone. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, I mean, again, I mean, I mean, somehow we can kind of bring this back to, to categorization is like, you know, what do you categorize as successful? You know, it's like, what is it that, you know, is it, is it to be the successful musician or entrepreneur at the expense of everything else? And is that success? Um, you know, you know, what is it that at the end of your life is the category for you that, that defines sort of success or mm-hmm. having a fulfilled life, you mm-hmm. know? Um, you know, what was that? St- what was that story with, uh, the singer Lady Gaga was in it? Oh, uh, with, uh, Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that was just, there was just so much in it, like such talented, uh, such a talented person, but everything else was such a mess. Yeah. And it's like is that? It's like is that success? Is that you have you're such a talented person, you have this huge impact. So it's like, you know, how you define success I think is is also another sort of category that yeah. Is 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 being challenged. You know, it's like and I think you know, most people that are um well, okay, that kind of gets us into another area, but it's like you kind of uh, li- go ahead. Tara.
0: Well, <clears throat> I had two responses to that. Mm-hmm. One is that I think just like sacrifice needs to be individual, the definition of success also needs to be individual. Hmm. And maybe this ties into the the blurring of the categorical lines a little bit, because... You know, I should be able to determine whether my life is a success because I'm, you know, rich and famous or because I'm anonymous, but have a strong family. Not that those things are, are opposed to one another, mm-hmm. just that the way we've laid things out in this thought experiment has kind of fallen along those lines, but um, you can't externally define whether or not someone else's life has been a success, hmm. although it is clear when someone else's life has been a success,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's also clear when that idea of owners of individual ownership of the idea of success falls apart, because you could have somebody who, you know, <sighs> well is clearly damaging society at, at large and if they individually determine themselves as a success it's like no sorry you're mm-hmm. not so there's exceptions or or at least falls within that blurry area
1: well let's, let's I kind of want to challenge that cuz I think there is something that that we look at people who are successful and I, I think money is somewhat of an arbitrary aspect to that when all is said and done and Cause like when you look at somebody, I kind of almost think of it like a sort of a multivariate versus a, uh, a, a, a univariate like analysis of someone's life. Like, wow, that's that person was a great musician, but you know, their personal life was really fucked up. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well on a, on a univariate analysis, like they're very successful, mm-hmm. but as a, as a macro kind of picture, it's like, wow, that's a really sad life. Like Kurt Cobain, man, what he did in the Mm -hmm. nineties for music was just like blows me out of the water. But it's a really sad, sad story. Sad story. Would you, I mean, maybe that's the test. It's like, would you choose his life? Mm -hmm. But you think of like a Nelson Mandela, you know, that was in jail and like, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things are, uh, Voslav Havel, you know, who spent time in jail and like how he changed, like,
0: you know, most of the
1: dissidents of like the seventies.
0: Mm hmm. It's like, would you choose their life? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that there's anyone in, that I could look at that I would say I would choose their life over mine. Yeah. You know, even though, you know, in a, in a, in a large way, it's like, <clears throat> I don't have much externally facing that I would be jealous of when I, if I were to ascribe
1: all of it to someone else Mm -hmm. if i were to externalize it onto another person or would i like you know again elon musk has five kids i believe five it's like would i trade my wife and my kids for that wealth because i mean that's kind of what he has for no wife Mm -hmm. five kids with different
0: women Mm -hmm. and that wealth yeah
1: and, and prob- that fame
0: and notoriety. And, and not spending time with them. And to be an internet troll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like you'd pretty, have to do that. He's pretty badass, but I. I, I no, he is. But, like, yeah. do you want to be that person? Like, the person who's tweeting, you know, mm-hmm. kitschy responses on,
1: you know, all day long? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's the conundrum because like as much as I do admire Elon Musk, it's like yeah. I don't think I I would not want to trade my my wife and my kids for right. that sort of fame, right? Um, because there's a relational value that is so much higher than that. Maybe this goes back to the individual
0: decision to so- to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's suffering is in some way individually chosen. Mm-hmm. And so to like take an honest look at any other person's life and say, would I choose their life? When I look at their suffering, I think I wouldn't choose that suffering. And maybe, maybe my life is uniquely what it is because of the unique set of suffering that I choose to endure. Hmm. And maybe that's why I can't imagine changing lives with anybody. Cause I'm like, I, I don't want to sacrifice what you've sacrificed, mm-hmm. you know? We're also forced into the sacrifice. I don't want to <laughs> the way you, don't you? <laughs> Well, yeah, you are. I mean, there is, yeah. there is that. Yeah, you know, there is. Like, you're not born onto a blank slate. <laughs> totally. You're born into a family. You're born into a culture. Yeah. You're, you're born into a circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I was going to say is. <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out how to tie it back to what you said. But I was thinking the other morning, I woke up, I was feeling very overwhelmed and very insufficient. Very much like, I don't know if I can make it through this day. Mm -hmm. Everything might fall apart today. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my kids. I'm going to lose my house. Uh Like, everything's going to go. Yeah. Like, I'm walking a tightrope here. Yeah. And then I thought, well, anyone else looking at my life, you mm-hmm. know, if I sort of take, take the measurements, mm-hmm. anyone else would say, you're living a pretty successful life. Yeah. <clears throat> you have a good job. You're getting good feedback at your job. Mm-hmm. You have great kids. They tell you they love you all the time. Mm-hmm. You have a wonderful house. People like being at and good friend, <clears throat> <a> good friend, good <laughs> friend. Who tells you those things. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, what's, what's true. Yeah. Is it my feeling of things or the measurement of things? And I think there's something true in both of them. Yeah. And I thought, well, how do you, how do you resolve that? Because I was sitting there that morning thinking I feel overwhelmed and insufficient and at risk of losing everything. Mm hmm. And there's something true in that. Like, that's not a, a baseless um, observation. Yeah. You know, it's not like some chemical imbalance in my body is telling me lies. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something true about that. Yeah. There's also something like I'm, I'm pathologizing it. I'm perverting it into something total. Mm-hmm. And it's not total, because yeah. there's another side of that story. And there's something just as true about the other side of that story, and also just as untrue. Because all of the good things in my life aren't the full story. Mm -hmm. They don't take account of everything. You know, they don't take account of the risk. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why. Well, maybe I'll leave that there and just say uh, the way that I thought through that and decided to resolve that was, I think the antidote to feeling insecure and insufficient is to enact some sort of meditative um, practice of gratitude Mm -hmm. and to say, I'm going to give attention to the things that seem to be going right. Those things seem to me like a lie right now, Mm -hmm. but I know that they're only partly a lie. There's something true in that too. Yeah. And so I'm gonna be gra- I'm gonna be grateful for that. And that's going to somehow balance me, balance the truth and the lie in the way that I'm feeling mm. and hopefully marry the two
1: truths together and cut out both of the lies. What well, it's interesting, I it kind of makes you think of more like prayer too, is like when you thank God. It's sort of like you thank God for the things that He's given you. And it could be a, a piece of bread. Or, or whatever it might be, but it changes your orientation and your attention to like, like what you have or what you've been given or afforded or whatever it might be, and then there's sort of like a, a gratefulness and a an attitude that that is different in how you give attention to those things. Because as you were talking, I was kind of thinking about the one in the many, where like or individualism versus communal. You know, it's like there's a certain There's a certain feedback that we get from the community, you know that 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 kind of helps us, but also can be inhibiting. But we also have this sort of feedback from us as individuals that's you know empowering, but also inhibiting. And there's some place Mm -hmm. in between that kind of like that place where those two things meet, (laughs) and you find kind of truth, I guess, in that space. That's so good truth
0: in that space and empowering and inhibiting Mm -hmm. i mean anytime well if you want truth you want definition Mm -hmm. anytime there's definition well that's categorization yeah there are things that aren't it Mm -hmm. so there are parts of you that are inhibited by the movement toward truth Mm parts of you that have to be cut off. And that's the sacrifice.
1: Yeah. It's a whole like sort of vine and pruning t- idea. Right. It's sort of like there's this idea that you're growing into something, but there's also things that are in you that need to die. Yeah. Am I inhibiting you
0: <clears throat> or helping you grow? It's like, it's the same thing.
1: Yeah. Or it's like categories. Like there's certain things that categories help us to thrive, but then there's also parts of categories that need to be pruned and mm-hmm. defined more closely yeah and
0: sometimes somewhat shrewdly mm-hmm.
1: to say sorry this isn't in the category
0: yeah it's like we'll prove it mm-hmm. let's get nuanced yeah <laughs> you know sometimes that's a good activity and endeavor mm-hmm. to, in, to to go down but other times it's like no this is just no we yeah. have to cut off this branch mm-hmm. this doesn't get to stay yeah because we have to go forward Forward and and not just forward, but forward into the
1: good, forward into growth, forward Mm -hmm. toward truth, whatever that is. Which is interesting because it does kind of make me think of economics in this way: is like the market will tell you (laughs) what works and what doesn't. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like where you know you have governments who can just continue to until they can't uh, fund certain aspects of they don't have to be profitable or useful. (laughs) You know, it's like you just have to have money to continue to to uh, 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 prop it up. Right. But in business, it's like the market tells you, is like, you know what? Sorry, your little uh, lemonade stand is not cutting it. <laughs> you know, it's well, like, the funny thing is like, there
0: is like, even to personify the market mm-hmm. is, is, isn't right. Hmm. Cause the market isn't a person telling you, sorry, yeah. your lemonade stand isn't cutting it. Yeah. The market is just, you set up a lemonade stand and no one comes by and buys it. Mm hmm. It's not cutting it. Yeah. You know, maybe it's cuz your lemonade stand is in the back alley and no one ever drives down the back alley. Mm-hmm. And what you need to learn is <laughs> if you want to sell lemonades at a lemonade stand, you have to be somewhere someone sees you, yeah. <laughs> you know. Or you could say, well, markets are unfair. And so let's have a a body of judges mm-hmm. to say, well, this lemonade stand should be successful. Mm-hmm. So we're going to prop it up. We're going to send people by arbitrarily, on purpose to buy the lemonade, or we're just going to subsidize the sand, yeah, so that it doesn't go out of business.
1: Yeah, we'll give you a thousand dollars a month in order to pay your salary to to stay in the back alley, Mm -hmm. right? You know, and then that works for a little while. Yeah, because someone's got to provide the thousand dollars,
0: right? (laughs) And and tell the people that are giving the judges, Mm -hmm. aka the government, the money to -hmm. subsidize it, say we're fed up with you spending our money that way. Stop Mm -hmm. spending our money that way. Tell them to go out onto the main road Mm -hmm. and stop spending my money on it. And then I'll go buy the lemonade. Mm -hmm. Like I'll spend it directly. Yeah. And so that falls apart. It's like, I think everything will always fall back to some sort of free market like that. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it will take, in some circumstances, revolution.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's hard. Cause like it's, it's, it's funny. Cause I think some of these things are very reasonable, but we almost have to play them out over and over again. Right. We have if to relearn the lessons. We have to like relearn the lessons. Like we can't learn that from, you know, it's like, there's a reason why we have women's sports. Why is that? Well, if like enough trans women starts competing in women's sports, it's like, what incentive do women have to compete in that environment? Mm-hmm. It becomes harder and harder because there's a physical advantage. Right.
0: So, so maybe at some it point, play it out over time. Yeah, you know, It's like a, we all agree that trans women are women mm-hmm. and compete in women's sports. Mm-hmm. Fast forward and just, just hold that line yeah. for 20 years in mm-hmm. women's sports are being won by trans women all across the board. Mm-hmm. And then at some point we say, wait a second. Women's sports is being won by men. Mm-hmm. This is an in in uh or to say it more uncohesive PC is like we're
1: category. Women's sports are being won by people with a vir- very high testosterone count. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay, know, let's, just go, with, just let's for, go with that. Just for yeah. the arguments sake.
0: Yeah, so it's like <laughs> <laughs> should Sorry. we adjust the the testosterone level in women's sports mm-hmm. and then i think you you come to a point of insanity where you're like we're 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 getting <laughs> way too specific with this category mm-hmm. and the the competition isn't fun anymore yeah we don't want to watch it anymore
1: mm-hmm.
0: so Maybe let's just say women, mm-hmm. and what is a woman? You yeah. know, we come back to this question, mm-hmm. and we say, you know, maybe we we come back to some point to say it's a stupid question. Mm-hmm. We all know what a woman is. Yeah, every child knows what a woman is from before they can speak. Yeah, so it's just women's sports. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's the way it goes. Maybe not
1: but it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because it is, it's such a high, um, it's very contentious, um, discussion right now for, for whatever reason, you know, but it'll be interesting to see how, you know, again, I think for women in general, it's something that there is a physical difference and, you know, there's a certain unfairness as far as like, almost as if someone is doping or, you know, steroids mm-hmm. or whatever it mm-hmm. is. It's like, it's like, unless, you know, is that, is that something that's acceptable? We've we've set up to this point that doping or, te- you know, taking steroids is unacceptable in pro sports, sports, in, sports, general, sports yeah. in general, because it gives you an unfair advantage. And mm-hmm. you know, at some point we're going to have to contend with that. <clears throat> if, if you allow trans women to compete in women's sports, because there is a, a, a distinct biological difference in it's bone density. Yeah, or it's an interesting point to make. Like, <clears throat> if you allow
0: trans women into women's sports, then at some point you have to contend with why aren't we letting people dope? Yeah, and you can say, well, it's obvious why we don't let people dope. Oh, There's this great movie, but uh, that's exactly what we said about <laughs> it's obvious what a woman is.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: now yeah. it's not obvious anymore.
1: Yeah. There's a great football movie with Bruce Willis in the eighties or nineties. I'm killing me I can't the Stallions was the football team and mm. it was all about doping and mm. and these guys were just like pushing their bodies to the limit with all these drugs and they were just dying. Mm. And, yeah. and it's like, is that what we want? I mean, so do women now have to, to, to dope in order to compete with trans women? You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. That's a dope. That doesn't
0: sound right. <laughs> well, even that word is a yeah. category that, again, has blurry lines. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, what is doping? Yeah. Well, it's taking drugs. Well, what is taking drugs? Yeah. Is testosterone <clears throat> a drug? Mm-hmm. So, should women be taking, so, should women athletes be taking testosterone mm-hmm. in order to be competing against trans women? Is that doping? Mm. What falls in the category?
1: yeah definitely you definitely get so like what is performance enhancing versus i mean that might be the same category True. but like what's performing performance enhancing drugs mm-hmm. you know
0: is uh you know mct oil mm-hmm. a performance enhancing drug
1: yeah so i'm Our, really ignorant in this area because i don't know what all the yeah. <laughs> healthy stuff is well mct oil is just like a
0: thing people put in coffee it's like okay. the, the bulletproof coffee oh, thing oh i hate that shit yeah no <laughs> you block that out of your mm. your consciousness oh totally yeah all right i think we've done it yeah i think we've waded in and talked about things that neither of us would probably have
1: agreed to talk about ahead of time oh hell no i mean i think it's really fascinating <laughs> oh hell no <laughs> well it we really wouldn't i mean it's like i think because these topics are really hard and it's like you and i both know that so many people feel so super passionate about certain aspects of this it's hard to talk about these things and uh but again i feel more comfortable and confident about talking about them because there's a lot of unknowns yeah and and part of it is is like we need to have these conversations and Mm -hmm. for for people who don't want to and just want to blanketly say things Mm -hmm. then it's like there's there's no there's no moving forward because there is there is problems on many sides and we need to to be able to discuss them and that's part of I think what you and I are kind of working through is like what what are the problems we're seeing these things happen what what is what's moving forward because you and I have an investment in the future our kids you know it's like our mm. kids are going to have to work through a lot of these things when they're having kids and stuff like that. And so there's a certain investment I think you and I have into the future that it's important for us to understand and, and kind of work through. So maybe that we can make it easier for our kids as they have to work through these things. Yeah. Maybe answer a few questions (laughs) or just introduce them to the shores. (laughs) (laughs) Probably introduce them to shores is the most effective part.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. come with us on a journey <laughs> all, all right, right.
1: cheers guys. cheers thanks for being with us for sure